I think at this point, uh, there needs to be a lot of overcompensation. If you think you need to talk to five women, triple that. Talk to 15 women, get 15 perspectives. You know, every woman is different and no one person's experience is going to be the same as others. And it'll just make your experience down the line more complete if you have more opinions. And that standard, that what I just mentioned extends to everything. Welcome to Between Two Mics. I'm Zach. And I'm Rock. We're the co-founders of Squadcast.fm. The best way to record remote interviews in studio quality like this one. Here on Between Two Mics, we explore the challenges, opportunities, and new ideas with the people who are pushing the limits of what's possible in podcasting. All right. So uh, Ariel Nissenblatt is the founder and head curator of the popular Earbuds Podcast Collective, the founder of the Village Podcast Studio in Los Angeles, California, the manager of marketing and biz dev at, at CastBox, the host of several outlier podcast festivals in cities all over the U.S., and host of a new podcast called Feedback with the Earbuds Podcast Collective. Ariel, welcome to Between Two Mics. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for that intro. <laughs> It was, it was quite an intro, so I uh, p- appreciate your patience with it. Um, so as uh, you know, the intro includes, you're, you're very, very involved uh, in lots of ways with podcasting. Uh, so thank you for that contribution. And uh, I, I think we first met at Outlier LA, um, I believe last year. And I remember kind of waiting for our plane and talking to Rock and, uh, and one of us noting that, um, that you're kind of the only professional podcast listener in the community <laughs> that, uh, that we were aware of. So uh, how, how did uh, your love for podcasts evolve into the Earbuds Podcast Collective? Good question. So my first job out of college was I worked at the Institute of Southern Jewish Life in Jackson, Mississippi. It was a nonprofit. For that job, we would travel to different synagogues throughout the U.S. South. And if the drive was less than eight hours, we would drive it. And if it was more, we would fly and then sometimes drive after flying. So Mm. it was a lot of car time. And because of that, I discovered podcasts. My roommate at the time told me about Radiolab or This American Life, or she would listen to them while we were cooking. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this purple app on my phone? I don't care. Like, I I was (laughs) like, not interested in that at the time. But then I was alone on these drives so often that I would you know, you really go crazy when you're driving for eight hours through like literally nothing. It is just I-20, I-10 just like is nothing. (laughs) And there's no traffic. There's nothing to keep you occupied except for your thoughts. So finally you turn to podcasts. So I started listening in 2014 and then I moved to Los Angeles in 2016. And again, this time I was in a car a lot, but it was because of traffic. And, um, I was listening to a lot of podcasts because I was trying to maximize Um, I was trying to find a way to be occupied in the car and to be learning while I was quote unquote, wasting time in traffic. And, um, you know, after a few months of doing this, I, and this was also the time that Trump was being elected. He was the president elect at the time that I had the idea for earbuds, November, 2016. I thought, you know, number one, I want to find more podcasts that make me really say, wow, you know? 
there's podcasts that I'll listen to every once in a while that I'm like, holy shit, like I did not know this before. I wouldn't know it if it weren't for podcasts. And I wanted more experience like that. Like I wanted to have that experience once a day. And at the rate that I was going, I was only having it about once every week. (laughs) So, um, and also in addition to that, with the Trump situation, I was like, you know, you were hearing a lot about the bubbles that we were in. So, you know, if you, if you identify as being on the left, you're only really going to hear stories from people on the left. If you identify on the right, these bubbles don't come together. So I was interested in finding a way to bridge these two bubbles or to combine the bubbles um, and really just hear stories from other communities and people. And podcasts are obviously an incredible way of doing that. And um, I always say that podcasts have made me way more of an empathetic person. They've exposed me to stories that I would never otherwise come across. So um, in January of 2017, I had the idea to start Earbuds, which um, I just reached out to some friends to share their favorite podcasts. They reached out to more friends and then over time started sending an email every Sunday night that has a theme. And then a different person picks the five podcast episodes on the theme that they've chosen every week. And since then, yeah, it's basically, it kind of started out selfish. It was the idea that like, I wanted more podcasts to listen to and how could I, how could I find that? And now I created a newsletter for it. Talk about designing uh, your life. That's pretty awesome. And that's honestly one of the things that we uh, instantly admired about you and were drawn to you was that uh, we you were speaking at Outlier. Uh, I think you were kind of setting the events off at Outlier in LA is the one that we went to. And uh, just how proud you were to be this listener and to say that, like, I don't have a podcast. And I remember for me personally, that that really spoke to me because I like felt like a fraud almost because mm-hmm. here we are trying to help out podcasters, but yet we don't have a podcast of our own to see someone like you say, I'm just a listener, but I love podcasts just as much, if not even more than any of you all here. So like I belong here just as much as you. And so that yeah. certainly, uh, was like, yeah, I do belong here too, you know, thinking the same thing. Uh, but now, now that we have a podcast and, and as do you, you, you do as well now, it, it's certainly good to be on the other side as well. I bet. Yeah. I think, uh, I think too many people, start podcasts without ever having listened to them on the opposite Mm. side of that. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Twitter community for podcasts, podcast Twitter is amazing in some ways, but it's also like, I've noticed over the past few months, it's so self-promotion focused. It's tons of people just like throwing their links to their latest episode, wherever the hell they can throw it. And it's not actually offering any value. It's all just like, here, take this, listen. And mostly it's the audio quality and nobody really cares about the content. So my thing is like, listen to podcasts, find out what people actually care about and want to hear about, and then focus your content around that. And the only way you can really do that is if you become a connoisseur in listening to podcasts, become a professional podcast listener. So yeah, I wanted to really um, think about the kind of podcast that I wanted to create. I wanted to really fill a gap in content before I put something out there. Well, it sounds like it was worth the wait. You seem to um, have a good flow and, and, you know, seems like something that you've been doing for years and, you know, you've just started this year, right? So Yeah, I just started uh, a month ago. Awesome. Congratulations. So how's it been to, to be on the other side? I like it a lot. I don't find it that stressful, but that might be because my episodes are six to 10 minutes long. Um, so that's definitely a nice a nice feature of doing it by myself. I don't have any guests on for the most part. It's just, it's basically a companion podcast to the newsletter. Every Sunday night, when the email goes out, I have a link to the most recent episode that has come out earlier that day. And Mm. it's titled the same thing. So this week's theme, for example, is called, um, 
I never remember the themes. I'm sorry. No worries. Um, let's see. You're too busy listening. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm too busy listening. And also, I've literally never missed a Sunday. So it's hard for me to remember every single theme that we've done. They've been all over the place. This week's theme. Oh, yes. Okay. This week's theme is former celebrity apprentice contestants. So um, this is like, this is, I love when people do this. I love when people get super creative with how many podcasts there are out there and how amazing the content is out there and how niche it can get. I think it's so amazing. I think this is such a good example. So all of the episodes that are on this week's list are either by or feature people who were once on The Celebrity Apprentice. And it's just ridiculous. (laughs) That email went out this past Sunday. And um, so did the episode. It's called episode number four, because it's our fourth former celebrity apprentice contestants week. Basically the, the episode is like, Hey, I'm Arielle. This is earbuds. This week's theme is this, here are the episodes, here are our sponsors. And then just this past week, I started um, also including headlines from um, Sky Pillsbury's inside podcasting newsletter. Cause I think that gives it some more added value. It gives people more of a reason to tune in. Yeah. And I noticed that the, uh, Earbuds Collective, it's more involved. It's not a very passive experience in the sense that you just send them a bunch of episodes and say, hey, listen and come back next week. It's more like you get them involved and have them pick the the episodes or can you, oh, at yeah, least walk, yeah, yeah. Can you walk our listeners through what that's like uh, for the, the those that, you know, are yet to join? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yes, anybody can curate a list and that doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a famous person. You don't have to be a podcaster. You don't have to own a network. You can literally be anybody. Um, you can be either somebody who loves podcasts and you want to group together those five podcasts, or it can be, maybe you really love, um, maybe you're studying, you're getting a PhD right now in, um, uh, I don't know, shoe design and how shoes have changed over the years, something as niche as that. And you found five podcast episodes, or you want to challenge yourself to find five podcast episodes on shoe design throughout the years. You can go and do that. You can say, I would like to curate a list on shoe design throughout the years. I'm a PhD student. And I'll say, great, go do, go find that, put it on my spreadsheet where we hold the information until it's time and then come back. And, and then when it's time for your week of curation, I'll email you and I'll, I'll send you a questionnaire and you'll fill out that questionnaire. And I use that to then format the email that goes out the Sunday night of your week of curation. So, um, yeah, it's, I don't do any of the curation myself other than just like checking it over making sure no episodes are, uh, racist, sexist, homophobic, anything. (laughs) just make sure everything's kosher. Yeah. And then we go from there. And then throughout the week, I follow up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, sometimes LinkedIn, making sure that we're promoting the episodes because it's first of all, a good way to promote indie content. And it's a great way to promote the curator and what they're up to. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts. And it was not obvious to me at first, you know, the the promotional aspect that you're kind of, uh, you're, you're distributing that. And like you said, a lot of it is self-promotion that we have these days, or it's like, go leave me a review on iTunes, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily make it out into social recommendations and social proof. Um, so I'm wondering though, with the podcast and forgive me for, for not have, uh, I haven't listened to it no yet. I'm, ex- I'm excited to start. Um, are you, are you using like, uh, like, um, snippets of the shows in, in the production of the, of, of your episodes to have kind of like a, you know, a 10 second, like quote or something like that from like a funny line or whatever's like a meaningful quote, or is it, is it, is it all you, um, kind of like how uh, James Cridlin does it with pod news? I'm just yeah. So I would say for now, it definitely sounds more like James Cridlin's. I do. I would say if I had an entire team behind me, I would get so 
creative, so funky with it. But for now, I do what I can with just me and I have an editor. And then my engineer um, that I work with, he just records me and gives me some suggestions every once in a while. And what I do to make it a little bit more fun than just like my own voice, I've asked the curators now to record their name. Hi, I'm uh, Ian Elsner. And my podcast is this. I curated a theme on blank or whatever they've chosen. And I chose this theme because, and then they fill that in as well. And then I put that into the episode as well, because I, you know, it makes it a little fun. It's cute. And then I also have um, my engineer at the end say his name in, when I'm reading the credits. I think that makes it a little fun. What else? Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm also trying to do some bonus content. So I put out believe two episodes of bonus right now. The first one was while I was at the She Podcast Festival earlier this month in October, I got some Buzzsprout time. They, Buzzsprout put out a booth. They It was semi-soundproof. I signed up for some time and I had signed up for time, but like did not think about what I wanted to do with my time in there. I wasn't ready to record the next week's earbuds episode. So I was like, okay, so now I have to figure out what to do. So I sat down and I was like, Oh, you know what, I'm at this podcast festival. I've been to tons of other podcast festivals. You hear about new ones popping up all the time. Mm -hmm. Let me do like a quick five to seven minute episode on your guide to um, podcast festivals. So I just talked about each one that I've been to and then mentioned others that I have not been to yet, and gave some resources to check out. And then two weeks ago, I put out another bonus episode where I asked um, friends and podcast colleagues to send me uh, a short 30-second snippet on the first podcast they listened to and how did they find it. And I put together a compilation episode like that. So I plan to do episodes like that. I feel like that's an area that's not really tapped. I have a lot of connections throughout the podcast space. It's a fun way to, to experiment with the audio atmosphere and get other people's input. The next one coming up is I have sent an email. I have the request out to all the other people that put out weekly or semi-regular podcast newsletters, Mm -hmm. 30 seconds, their name, their podcast newsletter, how to find it, what's it all about. And then I'm going to string those together. It'll be a nice resource for people who want more recommendations or want some industry news and things like that. Yeah. Very impressive. I got to know though, how, uh, how much are you listening to podcasts a week? Like, uh, like five hours, hours a minutes, day. five hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that's not all the commute though, right? <laughs> oh no, I don't. I have a work at home. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, did that kind of eat into your podcast time it at first? Now that, yeah, mine did. too. It's been a little weird. I've, I've had to, yeah, you got to find extra ways like, oh, I'm going to go on an extra long walk now I so I can real, listen I to this whole walk, episode. I go on walks three times a day, try to get some podcasts yeah. listening in. <laughs> Good for you. That's I also awesome. Uh, love washing dishes, love cleaning, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Not a dish is dirty in my house anymore. Um, <laughs> how, uh, like, do you get to listen to stuff that you want to listen to for fun now? Because, I mean, you kind of got to, your your job is almost to constantly look listen to new content. And I've been finding myself having uh, trouble or not having trouble, but really realizing I need to branch out of what I like to listen to because there's, like you said, there's just so much out there to listen to. And, you know, it's helpful for me to learn about, you know, what's emerging, what's new, what's really, you know, far out there because there's no shortage of it. But, uh, you know, if I stick to what I'm interested in, you know, I'm never going to find those. So, uh, do you get to listen to what you actually want to, that's, you know, like a regular podcast you would listen to if you didn't have the earbuds collective? I would say for the most part, what I do with the earbuds listening is I do listen to them as when on the day that they're recommended in advance, mm. what I do is I check, you know, for like what I said before, for racism, sexism, homophobia, all the things check for all those. Um, 
And then if they pass the test, which 97% of the time they do, I've only rejected a few episodes. Um, I will just listen to them on the day that they're recommended. And then other than that, I'm always listening to what I want to be listening to. That's, that's good. Good. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, to, to transition into your work at Castbox, that was one of the, you know, first teams that we met at our, our first podcast movement that oh, we amazing. sponsored. Uh, the team has always been great to us. And, um, I don't, I don't believe I've ever met Renee, um, in person, but I am big fan of, of her work. And, uh, that, that is, uh, you know, one of, one of my go-to apps, I tend to use them for like different purposes. Um, so, so I use, um, I use Castbox for for my learning oh, experience good. because it helps it helps me find. Um, I have one for like fiction and then another one for like industry stuff, uh, Pocket Cast and Google oh, wow. Podcast. Those are the three that that's, I use. That's probably an interesting um, case. I don't think most people um, switch up their podcast player that often. Yeah, and I mean it, it's awesome because we have a bunch of friends who you know have these uh, have these apps. So it's uh, it's not even enough to 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 go that far, but. Um, the uh the castbox experience with search oh, yeah. um i think you know really eye opening for me and this was back in you know early 2008 i think um so it's gotten better since then even and revolutionary uh yeah i've been, so, I've I been doing that too lately i know we're old now <laughs> 2018 <laughs> my apologies uh 2018 and um you know it's it's got to be uh, an honor for Google to basically copy you, um, with, oh, with, yeah, their, with their approach and <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, um, so definitely, you know, uh, uh, moving the needle for, for what's possible in the, the consumption discoverability. And, you know, it's even up for debate, I guess these days, if discoverability is a, is a problem or not, I, um, I don't tend to buy into that. There's always improvements always and, and certainly, you know, yeah. And, <laughs> And especially with your with your work, you're kind of the perfect case study for for finding new things and discoverability. So, um, so can you tell us a little bit about your work at Castbox and kind of how how that uh, fits into um, your you know podcast yeah. story? So, I actually met Castbox. I met representatives from Castbox a long time ago. I w- at Podcast Movement in 2017, which was in Anaheim. I um, I was, I went alone. I was able to get a free ticket by advertising for a podcast movement on my newsletter, but I knew nothing. This was like way before I was comfortable in the podcast space. I didn't really know my place. I didn't know where I wanted to, who I wanted to be, where I wanted to mark myself. But, um, I went and I was just wandering around from table to table and I happened upon Castbox. What I do when I go to, um, conferences in general is just like, see who has the best swag, hang out there, steal the swag you know, schmooze up, schmooze with the people. So uh, they had really good swag at the time. Castbox had this, um, they do. They had this really cute and great backdrop. Yes. Really. The orange is so nice. They have this really nice ring on the back of the phone that like you use, you put your finger through it. It helps you not, I don't know, put too much weight on your fingers while you're holding your phone. We're, we're so weak nowadays. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I liked the, the swag so much. I stayed in touch. They told me about the in-app audio search that I was I really like that. I downloaded the app. I used it. Swag can really do that. You know, it really can have a big impact on people. So, um, I started using them. I started recommending them to everybody. I stayed in touch with them over the years. And then, um, I met Renee and the team at podcast movement 2018, a year later in Philadelphia, um, hung out with them, got to go to their party, which was the best party I've ever been to podcast party or not. 
that was at the Reading Terminal Market. They rented out the whole thing and like threw the biggest rager. I it was amazing. There were free donuts <laughs> and lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a great time there. And what a cool venue! I know too. it was the coolest. So then um, another year passes, and um, they were looking for somebody to um, do marketing and business development, and they thought of me because I've been in touch with them for a long time, and I was pumped because I've been loving the product for so long. Now what I do for them is uh, social media. So I'm the one behind all the ridiculous tweets. I've found that social media is a game of, you know, just tweet the most ridiculous thing you can, see how people respond to it. Me and Podchaser are in this game together, if you haven't noticed. Uh, we have yeah, <laughs> big fans. Yeah. So um, I do that. I help people grow their podcast on the platform. So our goal really is to teach people about all the capabilities of Castbox and how you can use those to grow your show. So for example, anybody who has a podcast can claim their show on Castbox and that gives you access to analytics, to where your people are listening from. Um, are they unsubscribing? Are they subscribing? We're also one of the only apps that has subscriber count and play count, which is super helpful and gives you a sense of how your podcast is doing overall. So we like to teach people things like that. And then we also, we have our in-app banner that helps with discoverability. So we're always trying to find people to take that banner spot. And then we also have a few other real estate spots throughout the app that we are looking to fill as well. So my job is a combination of that. And I also speak at conferences on behalf of CastBox and whatever else the task may call for. What topics do you like to speak at about? Um, Feminism and the audio industry and diversity in the audio industry. And also on a separate note, I like to talk about, I, I, I find that panels can be very dry. So mm-hmm. my thing nowadays is like, how can we put more meaningful content into the podcast space when we are at conferences? So I find that, you know, anybody can apply for a panel to moderate a panel or to be on a panel. And it's kind of just a way to like brush your, uh, to what, what's it called? Um, to stroke your own ego. You know, like, yeah, you're, you're approved. You get to be on this panel. All great. You get to post about it. But like, what are you actually doing? I don't think it's the best way to convey information a lot of the time. I think there are way more effective ways. So what I like to do nowadays is I like to pitch non-panel panels and kind of what I did at the last Outlier Podcast Festival. I worked with a woman named Christina Barcy and we did a, an anti-panel or a non-panel panel where we broke everybody up into groups Um, We had them discuss their pain points when it came to one group was marketing, one group was community engagement with their podcast, and the other one was um, like technical aspects, like microphone usage and things like that. So we had them discuss pain points. Then we would ask a question and whoever felt like an expert in that question from each group, one person would come up, they would be the panel. So while we were still facilitating it, we were giving everybody a chance to show their expertise and to also be vulnerable and say, this is something that I'm not that comfortable with. And we kind of we like that because it, it lets everybody have a stake in the situation rather than just kind of sitting there and passively either taking in information or not really taking in information. So, um, I try to pitch panels like that. And then I'm also working on another speech that will be about how podcast creators can work with podcast apps to maximize their reach. So that's my next, my next thing. I love the the built-in candor and kind of community aspect of the the non-panel panel. I love that yeah. title, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the the conferences 
the organizers, the people who are choosing the speakers, because, you know, where the tump competition's tough in our industry, because we're all, we're all basically professional speakers, um, is, uh, you know, the, they don't like telling people no, they no. get hit up, I'm sure. So it's like, okay, this is a way to kind of, you know, uh, kill five birds right. with one panels stone or something super like easy. that. Panels. And look, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, with Outlier Podcast Festival, I, um, I'm also in charge of trying to figure out where to place people, who's going to be the keynote speaker, who's going to lead a workshop or a training session. And then, yeah, some panels can be really amazing. Some of them can be great ways to convey information. Others are not. Um, So I try when we do outlier to have there be some sort of funky element to everything. So um, what are we thinking of for the, so we had last, last uh, outlier podcast festival in September we had um, Akia McKnight. She has a podcast called District Queen. Um, it's a it's a scripted audio drama about the underground sex worker scene in Atlanta. It's like really specific and amazing and sound rich. And instead of having her just like on a regular panel, what we did is we had her. She reached out and she got grant funding to get nice headphones for a bunch of people. I think 35 people were in this session and they played the two episodes of the first two episodes of district queen. And then they had a discussion about it, you know? So it was more than just here, you know, frontal lobe, front of brain, like here's a discussion. It was like, let's have you interact with this content and then let's discuss it. So we like things like that. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the outlier, uh, festival because you know you're one half of that and um we've went to the one in la and ever your 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 co-pilot on that or partner in crime whatever you want to call him he's been good to us as well so um how did that come about and and why did uh outlier need to exist because you guys are definitely doing uh, a few different things but why did you two specifically think this needs to be out there for for podcasters and podcasting yeah so outlier actually the first outlier podcast festival was in St. George in May of 2018. I came to know about it probably through newsletters. I like to stay on top of like everything that's happening. So in February, two, three months before outlier podcast festival, I saw that outlier podcast festival was happening. I saw a bunch of the speakers on the website. I saw that they were mostly white men. Um, so I reached out to ever and I said, Hey, I noticed that you're lacking diversity on your panel. Do you mind if I do you mind if I come basically and lead a panel on women and podcasting? Or really, I just said like, can I come, you know? And he suggested having this panel. And then I got to put together that panel and I went and it was a great panel. It was, it was interesting. It's a St. George, Utah is a more conservative area, obviously than um, (laughs) Los Angeles. So on the first uh, there, they um, videotaped all of the sessions and I make a comment during my panel about like there being so many white men in podcasting and um, you literally hear somebody in the background go like (laughs) they were just like, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't hear that. They're not used to hearing that. (laughs) No, no, no. They're not used to me being like this loud person from New York, just being like, here's lack of diversity. When I see it, I'm going to call it out. You know? So that was, that was a fun experience. And then after that ever was like, I liked your style. Let's, let's partner and do this together. So now I've been uh, helping with each of the different, festivals that we do in different cities for the last few years. And it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's like a canvas to draw on because I think a lot of people fall on the easy things that make money and are safe. And that is so understandable. And to a certain extent, it would be easier if we did that. But also the podcast industry is so new. So like, let's get weird with it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's your slogan, keeping it weird. So uh, you're definitely right, yeah. definitely following through on that. Um, that's a really neat story about how that got started and and you reaching out and doing that. And also it's equally as neat that, you know, Ever was receptive and, and listened to you because I think that's what's important. And, uh, you know, we certainly fell victim to that as well. And you, uh, true to form, called us out on that. And so, um, you know, it, I do appreciate you bringing that up. But you know, why is diversity a problem in podcasting from your perspective? Like, how have we gotten here? Yeah, Um, I think diversity is a problem across every industry. True. Um, Yeah. And in podcasting, we're in a unique spot because we're still in the infancy. Um, So I, I actually think right now is the time for us to be so vocal about it and to call out when we see problems because that means that we can nip them in the bud early. So um, there's still room for good design, right? Like it's still absolutely formed out. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I think it was important right away when um, these sexist remarks about vocal fry and women's voices being annoying, when those started to come out, when people, you know, write your think pieces on them, make your podcast reactions to them. Like that's important. That's a really important thing to do now while we still can. There's tons of uh, media companies being created by women for women or by women for everyone. And those are awesome. And we need more of those um, to combat the fact that in other industries that has not been the case. How do we get here? Just like from longstanding oppression of women. I guess you're yeah. right. I wasn't trying to go that deep, but you're, but, yeah. but you're right. That's where that's where it starts from. And, and you're right. We do have a, an opportunity to change. And I think that's why uh, Zach and I took the uh, response from and for our listeners that don't know, we had an announcement of our advisory board. Our advisory board is uh, full of men right now. That's not going to be the case forever. And, and it's those are not the only people that we seek advice from. However, uh, that announcement, we understand uh, could give that impression. And so, um, you know, it was a big mistake on our part. And people like uh, you, Ariel, were, were, you know, holding us to a higher standard. And we really appreciate it because, um, you know, although we don't like making people disappointed because we spend all day and every day trying to do the exact opposite, uh, cooking up ways to do that with Squadcast, um, you know, we take it very seriously. So I think I'm glad. Thank you for doing that because uh, we are listening. We, you know, we do take it very seriously. Um, You know, we had this interview booked with you before we made this announcement. So it's not like we did this in response. We've always wanted you and and because we do value. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, On the record, (laughs) because we do value everyone's input and that's what podcasting is all about. So for us to drop the ball on it was very disappointing. But, um, you know, again, I just want to reiterate, like, you know, this is not something we're running away from. And I really do want to thank you. And so, um, you know, like, I guess the best culmination or representation of, of, you know, podcasting really moving forward with that, I guess you could say it, it recently has been She Podcast. So She Podcast yeah. Live, uh, their first live event. Um, what was that like from your experience and how, how important is that to, to podcasting? It was an awesome, it was a really great event. So She Podcast happened, I think it was October 11th through 13th or that weekend. Uh, Good memory. It, yeah. Um, and just so that I remember, I want to get back to what you said a minute ago. Do you mind if I oh, yeah. take it back a second? Okay. So do whatever you want. Yeah. So, um, what, what's your, do you have an immediate plan right now to help build some diversity into your team? Absolutely. And, uh, and we're not starting at zero either. So both, uh, you know, our, our core team and our, our advisory board, um, already feature some facets of diversity, but obviously it's missing huge, uh, huge other areas. So that's where we're focused on now. And we believe because of that 
both strong foundation, existing relationships, and then formalizing some of those existing relationships, as well as uh, you know seeking seeking voices uh, from outside of our of our bubble. Uh, I believe we have a real opportunity, and that's what this brought to our attention was was we have a real opportunity because, like you said, our industry is so so relatively young. And then as a company being three years old, we're relatively young and can actually help move the needle on this. So we feel that there's a kind of a unique opportunity to, uh, to help set that standard and become one of the more diverse teams in our industry. So yeah, there's really something to that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so kind of the first move is, to uh, to formalize uh, existing relationships with uh, with uh, formerly non formal advisors to uh, to bring them in to uh, to a regular cadence and more formalized uh, relationship there and also more equitable so nice. so that's kind of a first move um, while remaining kind of uh, trying to remain as deliberate and intentional as possible we feel that a lack of intention got us into this uh, situation. And we didn't want to have a knee-jerk response that um, was somehow less intentional. So, mm-hmm. so we uh, we do recognize, you know, we we need to move quickly, um, and we missed a huge opportunity to um, to you know set this standard from the from the jump. Um, but we still have that opportunity. Um, we just kind of uh, m- you know missed the mark on the optics and how we position the first response. Sorry, the first announcement. Um, and, uh, you know, those things I think are, are, are relatively right around the corner because we didn't have to go out and like, you know, interview and talk to people. We had existing long-term multi-year relationships. So we, uh, we kind of started there and, uh, and formalized from there. Yeah. I think, you know, the issue when it comes to mistakes like this are made is that the excuse, and I'm not saying that you made this excuse, but the excuse is often that, you know, we knew a lot of men prior, you know, so obviously those are going to be the people that we, we call on. So I think, yeah, yeah, it's a pipeline problem. Exactly. So yeah, obviously, um, reaching out of the bubble, reaching out of the box or finding another pipeline is harder, but it is so much more rewarding when you have different pipelines leading in and, and it's hard, but I saw that you guys, um, were commenting, uh, replying to the comments on your announcement that, um, you're making phone calls, you're setting up phone calls with, um, a lot of different women, a lot of people of color. Is that has that been successful? Very, yeah, very successful. And and as a bootstrap company, as a startup, we welcome any additional resources. So that yeah. is uh, has been kind of amazing, you know, uh, show of support from the community um, who have helped us get to this point and are help uh, are going to help us get to where we're going. Um, so it's a it's a very you know open dialogue, and that's pretty much you know um, a, been a big portion of how Rock and I have spent the last. Uh, you know, a little bit over a week now with uh, a lot of those conversations and a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, not very fun conversations, but, but I think that's where it's, you know, needed because it was, it was admittedly, uh, too much of a blind spot before. So hearing the hard truth is, is positive, um, and how we are going to improve. So, uh, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of passion there and, uh, like yourself, we strive to be, you know, professional listeners and, uh, and, not put up fences and barriers. Uh, so we're not, we're, we're, we're running towards the problem. That's where our opportunities to improve lie. And, uh, and so is true for our industry. So, uh, so that's where they were, you know, we're grateful that people like yourself and Jay Connor and Simplecast, they've all had these amazing 
uh, meetups and conversations uh, within the community on the topic of, of diversity. And we've we've you know been uh, been uh, grateful to to help in those in some small way, but we we've never kind of championed our own uh, along those lines. So I think um, some of the some of the recent conversations we've had with with advisors coming on is to uh, is to make the most of that, and also we're grateful for Outlier because it's a it's you know it's a West Coast event, and we feel that there's a imbalance where it's mostly East Coast um, in in the event space, and um, so we're really happy anytime there's a West Coast event, um, yeah. and uh, and we've long wanted a um, being in the Bay Area here, one of the most diverse places in the world. We have uh, always wanted to bring a podcasting event to to the Bay Area, so we feel that there's a nice combo there where we can uh, we can have that open conversation and dialogue about diversity in our industry, in our company, um, and how we can um, can help set that standard and have it in a you know in a place where uh, it kind of echoes that. So uh, I know I've talked with Ever about it in the past. He seems game, but I know the schedule is pretty far out. Um, so it's, uh, it's something we've always lobbied all of the event, uh, organizers to, to do more in California or the West coast. So I think, uh, we have an opportunity to, um, to have some of our own style in there as well as, you know, make it a meaningful conversation for, like you said, a lot of these topics that people cover, it's just kind of lip service or, you know, stroking egos. And I got my picture taken on a stage somewhere and I can put that on my Twitter. Yeah. Uh, no, we actually want to have, you know, an empower meaningful conversation. So I think that's one of the more important ones we can have. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of this whole thing if we're not trying to actually create meaningful content, you know, podcasts are, they're, they're an amazing way to get right into your brain with whatever you're listening to, whether it's, you know, surface level comedy, whether it's deeper comedy, you know, we can really use this, we can use this space to learn more about other people's experiences. And that, like what I said about me really gaining empathy through podcasts has been huge. It's been a huge thing. Absolutely. And, and the, the doors that open from collaborating with people, you know, you never know really, even if you have an outline or idea of where you want to take a conversation, you're still, you know, basically uh, improving with another human. So it's going to be yeah. much more dynamic than just you reading a script or just me reading a script or anything like that. So that, you know, that's how we, that's how we break down those barriers. And I think that the, the script actually serves as some kind of barrier here. Uh, so, yeah. so to let it be, you know, more organic and, uh, and natural, that's, that's what, you know, list, listeners, um, you know, uh, identify with anyway. So, so let's, uh, let's have that, that the tougher conversations early on in our, you know, in our industry, in our company and, uh, and, you know, it's really brought this whole uh, learning experience has really, for me, brought to light, uh, you know, the opportunity that that we have to uh, to help set the standard in our industry. Um, and, and like Rock said, thank you for for being part of holding us to that to that standard. Um, and, you know, once we uh, continue to make progress along those lines, um, not just stopping there. Right. Uh, continuing helping others uh, live up to this, uh, live up to this standard and. And if podcasting overall um, can be more diverse than the bubble it's within in tech, then I think that's a real shining star of what's possible. Yeah, that would be awesome. Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely thinking of how to you know resolve this in the short term. But with the whole mindset of this is a long term uh, thing that's going to be 
you know, how we are as leaders, how our company is going to be. Um, so it, I think the way you said podcasting makes you more, has helped you with your empathy. I feel like, uh, yes, plus one to that, but then just like being a business owner and entre- entrepreneur is like the same thing where mm-hmm. it's just like, I just like, why would we want to cut off? Like not just anybody, but like 50% of the people, right. you know, <laughs> it's just bad business for, right. first of all. So, um, yeah, no, th- thank you. And I mean, wh- how do you think the industry could could be better? I mean, wh- what else is there? I've, I've heard of, uh, you know, through my conversations with ladies that have uh, reached out who have been, you know, so generous to give to give us their thoughts and um, how the announcement made them feel and how they think we can, um, you know, move forward in a in a in the right way. Um, you know, I've talked to some people who, uh, you know, are hold some very uh, awesome positions in podcasting and have been doing it for years. And they're telling me that she podcast was the first opportunity, the opportunity they got to speak at a live event, mm. um, which, you know, is Nuts. yeah, I, weird. Yeah. 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 Um, we didn't know that before and I'm not making excuses, but it's just been eye opening in a lot of ways. And so, yeah. um, I, I think the initial, uh, response, uh, of, you know, upsetting people that sucked. But I think, uh, Zach and I both agree that we actually believe this is actually a good thing. It happened because it happened so early mm. because we can correct it. Um, and because like, it's, I mean, it kind of awakened a, a monster in us to like, no, we're going to make this right to yeah. the exact opposite. So, you know, what, what do you, I mean, just for podcasting as an industry, not just, you know, yeah. screw Scottcast, yeah. but like <laughs> the industry, what does the industry need to do? Yeah. Um, I think at this point uh, there needs to be a lot of overcompensation. So like mm. if you, if you think you need to talk to five women, triple that, talk to 15 women, get right. 15 perspectives. Um, you know, every woman is different and, uh, no one person's experience is going to be the same as others. And, it'll just make your, your experience down the line more complete if you have more opinions. Um, and that standard that what I just mentioned extends to everything. So if you think you need one woman on your board, triple that, you know, triple it (laughs) is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, basically because men have been, so there's a quote, um, I, I don't, I forget who, I think it was um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Justice Justice uh, Ginsburg. Somebody said how many, or maybe it was Sandra Day O'Connor. Don't quote me. Um, how, <laughs> how many women will be enough to be on the Supreme Court? And it was like when there are nine, when there are nine women on the Supreme Court. Because what? There were nine men on the Supreme Court for so long. Why? Why should it need to be equal? <laughs> my my wife was just RBG for for Halloween or or over the weekend Yay. at a party. Yeah, she she got this uh this necklace on Etsy that was like super on point the descent necklace do you know about this ruth bader ginsburg wears um specific clothing when she's delivering a dissenting opinion and when she's giving an agreeing opinion it's like it's more like lines right versus like the beads there's like a couple different yeah she had a it was a it it was a great costume too because she was that's a a really good costume it was super simple for her she got to basically reuse and recycle uh, a, a graduation gown that she had you know, never worn before. And then it was really just a wow. necklace and some glasses. So uh, wow. she, she had a Perfect. good time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, you know, overall, you know, the, the industry to, to bring it back to that, um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think, um, you know, panels, it sounds like, you know, aren't, aren't going to get us there. Like, you know, more, more events, yeah. 
So I'll, can I add something? Please, yeah. So um, another thing is let's stop having women in podcasting panels, but let's start having women in podcasting panels. See the difference there? Mm. You know, like I think I think I it's great for there to be, um, you know, it's great when the, an effort is made to have women at a podcasting event noted for the fact that they are women at a podcasting event, but also women can be in audio drama discussions. They can be in literally anything. Women are represented in all aspects of the podcast industry. So like, why wouldn't they also be in? And that's kind of what I, (laughs) go ahead. Yeah. And that's what I uh, was kind of alluding to when I said that, like, yes, we're going to respond in the short term, but like, the long-term fix is that we just make this part of our DNA where this is not like a thought of like, oh, we need to, you know, have a woman here or we need to have, you know, this person here or whatever. Like that's just, we want it to become just who we are. So it's not this like, right. oh, we need a woman on this panel because we want it for diversity. Right. No, we're just, we just want that to be what this is. So yeah. um, I think that's an important distinction. Yeah. You do, you do have women on your team, not the advisory board, but the, um, your employees? So uh, so our employees are our founding team. So everybody's basically been unpaid volunteer for the last three years, uh, just for some yeah. transparency there. And um, and the, the two kind of uh, non-founding team members, um, although very early on, were, um, uh, were each lady software engineers. One of them, wow. one of them was, my, um, was my student at Cal Berkeley. And, uh, and the reason she moved on was because I, uh, I helped her, you know, with recommendation letters and a bunch of other stuff. It was more of a, a transitional period after our yeah. class to uh, into a you know full time position where somebody could afford to pay her, unlike us at the time, like two years ago. Um, yeah. so, you know, we're excited to, uh, to, to bring that back full circle, grow the team, of course, which is going to be good for, for everybody. Um, but, you know, Rock and I have have long uh, talked about having, uh, you know, aspirations for a female CTO, uh, which I think would be kind of unusual and in, in uh, just tech in general, but uh, but also something off of my plate because I kind of I fill that role. Um, you do some tea. <laughs> yeah, I, I build stuff uh, from time to time, <laughs> but it's um, you know opportunities like that uh, you know have uh, have have been in the past, but also are um, thankfully you know more more out in the future. Uh, and that's to answer your question about the core team um, and my own personal uh, in, in the advisor category, my own personal uh, mentor outside of the company um, is uh, is a um, strong woman leader in within Disney. She uh, I don't I don't think I, she would want me saying who she is, but um, she's like uh, a crazy busy. So that's why she's not, uh, yeah. she's not available for, for our monthly, uh, you know, advisory meetings and things like that. But, but I do get some DMS in there occasionally with her and, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, tough questions. So, um, you know, this is, this is something that, um, like rock said is, is never, never good to, to disappoint people. Um, but, you know, we do have uh, a lot of existing relationships. They, uh, they were just not formalized as part of that, uh, part yeah. of that advisory board or, or in time for that announcement, I think would be a better way to say it. Right. Um, yeah. And then obviously the argument is why make the announcement if, if you're not, if you don't see parity or more than parity. But, yeah. you know. No doubt we effed up. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm, and I'm no not doubt. trying to reiterate <laughs> no. that. So I would say you're asking, you're, you are having phone calls with people. That's awesome. With women, people of color, that's amazing. Um, my advice is triple it always. 
if you think you're doing the right thing, triple that right thing. If you think you've hit the nail on the head in a positive way, hit it three more times. Um, stop thinking, not you specifically, but people stop thinking of women just as people who can represent the women's perspective of something. Um, and yeah, overcompensate in every direction, <laughs> um, until, until we don't have to anymore. Yeah. And for me as a, you know, background of going to art school and design it, I, I've, I worked in government for five years, pre squadcast and I would, wow. I would often, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for your uh, tax dollars and you're being a great <laughs> constituent. Um, I, um, I would call out at every opportunity, all of the bad design that I would see across the government, um, in technology. Um, it's just, it's just designed by not designing, you know, it's like assuming that, uh, that systems will kind of take care of themselves, but you know, whether you're designing, whether you're aware of your being a designer or not, you know, things are being designed by default or otherwise. And, and then, you know, to, to, uh, flip that around, I, I found us in that same situation where it was, you know, design by lack of intention design, you know, which is still bad design. Yeah. Um, and it was very eye opening that I had, you know, found myself kind of, uh, in the past in that situation, yeah, I, I was, yeah. you know, uh, critical of my, uh, of my own, uh, doing, you know, and all, all well, that's good. it's good to actually have the self-awareness to see that. I would say another thing that, we can do in terms of combating the problem of sexism in the industry and lack of parity in the industry. So I think that what you should do and what, what I try to do, like you said, you call out um, issues when you see them, you would call out bad design. I think it's important when you see something happening that is not fair, or if there are all five white men on a panel, or if this conference is led clearly by men and there are not, um, concessions taken or there are not clear signs that there have been women involved in the planning process. It's okay to call that out. It's important to always call that out, even if it's uncomfortable, even if, even if it makes people say, Oh, Ariel, she always, she always brings up women. She, (laughs) she's known for always doing this. Like, I don't care. I want to be known for that. It doesn't matter. You know, even if a subsection of whatever population is going to hate me, it doesn't matter. Um, so you should do that too. You know, everybody, men, we need allies, you know, we need men to do that too. And, um, we need people of color to do that. We need white people to do that. We need everybody to be calling out injustices when they see it. And, um, that extends to every aspect of the podcast industry as well. We got you. Thank you so much for, for sharing your, your input in and, and, uh, advice on it. Cause it's valuable for us to hear, but I think also for our listeners, cause, uh, you know, we're all probably falling victim to this in one way or another. And our peer companies, right. right? You know, and that's where I think uh, I, I hope that you know this isn't just a learning experience for for Squadcast or you know uh, you know more broadly in the industry. There's a lot of room for improvement. Um, so I think that you know having some of those conversations um, with uh, with some of the some of the leadership who we are in connections with is um, you know in in public on panels whatever. Um, in, in private, wherever, just, just bringing that up more, more readily and, uh, and calling it where we see right. it, I think is, uh, is that, that's kind of the industry's self-awareness is, is you, is us and, you know, bringing that stuff to light. Yeah. Awesome. 
So definitely not, uh, definitely not, you know, a comfortable situation to, to walk into. Um, but it was, uh, or, or a conversation to, to have, um, so, you know, I, I, uh, I do think, you know, we had a, we had an awesome structure for, for this interview, uh, planned when, when we originally reached out and, uh, and that I think, you know, is, is, uh, our, by our own doing a kind of different turn of event, but probably an overall healthier conversation totally. to have. Yeah. I mean, so, this, um, I would probably bring this up anyway, even if you hadn't had this problem. <laughs> I love bringing it up. Good. Yeah. That's what you do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, thank you guys. That's what's thank up. you guys for being so willing to discuss it. That's big. Oh, th- yeah. And and uh, you know, this is where this is where the opportunity lies. So I think that um, this is not something that we're just going to be like, oh, we published the first half of our interview with Ariel, and right. you know, uh, and we just cut off all the, all the dialogue about uh, constructive criticism. So I think that um, that's really where, you know, as a, as a company, we have this opportunity as, to grow as, as an industry in its relative infancy. Uh, it's, it's a lot, a uh, lot easier for us to address these challenges upfront rather than, you know, two decades from now when, uh, when stereotypes are in place and everything's more solidified and whatever with giant companies. Right. Or stereotypes are completely abolished. You Word. never know. <laughs> that'll, Gotta believe. that'll be the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I do agree, though, that our medium definitely lends itself to, uh, to you know, collaborative uh, creation across different barriers, and that's something that has always been part of our mission. So that's why this felt like kind of you know doubly stung to us. Was like we're not we're not living up to our mission. Like we're not holding up this standard. Um, So to to you know be in a position, uh, we're very grateful to help with people all over the world. And, and then for, you know, our team to not represent that, that voice internally is something that, you know, we, uh, aspire to for intrinsic reasons, as well as extrinsic reasons with, uh, the, the standard that we're working to set and uphold in our industry. So a uh, lot of opportunities to improve there and, and we're just getting started with it. Um, as our industry is. So I, I really, you know, want to thank you again for, for bringing, um, be, being willing to come in and talk about something that's probably less comfortable than all the awesome stuff that you're working on. Um, but, you know, I think that if, if we didn't, it would be doing a disservice and, uh, and we would still be, you know, standing still when we have this massive opportunity to improve. But we'll definitely have to do a progress report on this. Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you, Ariel. No worries. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Between Two Mics with Zach and Rock from Squadcast. The best way to record remote podcast interviews like today's in studio quality. Visit bit.ly slash squadpod to check out our resources page where you can download your free remote interview checklist. Squadcast.